thing to let church folks greet each other in the middle of service because it might become the end of service because uh, it's hard to get people back into their seats. But uh, I'm so glad to see everyone here and see you um, loving on each other and everything like that. Um, as I said a second ago, my name is Graham. I'm a part of our communications team here, and I would like to start off tonight uh, by just telling you guys uh, a quick story um, that will become relevant later. Uh, so about a year ago, um, yeah, almost exactly a year ago, right about now, um, I was uh, living in an apartment on my own. I loved it. It was like super small. Um, I felt like I could turn off every light switch in the house from the front door, um, but it, I loved it. It was perfect size for me. Uh, all my stuff fit, I fit. It was great. Not to mention it was affordable and as if it wasn't good enough already, I had an awesome landlord, right? Who has an awesome landlord for their first house? Like nobody. I only hear horror stories. So I had this great setup of where I was living. Um, and I just started to uh, hear about uh, this house that my uh, buddy Jake was uh, buying and trying to renovate to where um, he and a couple of guys could live there together and started to feel like maybe this is what I needed to do, that I needed to be a part of that group. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I felt like that was maybe what I should do, but also I was like, I don't know want to go on a maybe. I love this house that I have. I enjoy having my own space. I love coming home and everything being exactly where I left it, uh, all that kind of stuff. Only being able to be mad at myself for the dishes that are in the sink. It was awesome. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to get to do, do that forever. So I was really hesitant, uh, to give up on this, um, and so as I was talking uh, over this decision with other people, with like mentors, pastors, friends, things like that, uh, I kept coming back to this feeling of like, man, I don't want to regret my decision. It sounds so good, but what if I get there and it just doesn't work out? It feels too cramped or I'm too close with those guys or, you know, what if there's a falling out, right? I'm never going to find a place as good as I am right now. So why risk it, right? It was really hard to let go. And in fact, I, I knew from previous experience that God had brought me here, right? Whenever I found that apartment, it was a huge blessing, and I knew that it was the result of God being faithful and leading me to that place. So I'm like, well, you know, it surely can't be a bad place to live. After all, he led me there. Um, but despite all those worries, despite all those questions and good reasons to stay where I was, I could not deny the fact that I was being called to leave, to go to this other house. In other words, I was being called to obey. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, this is the last part in our uh, Counting the Cost series, uh, which covers the ideas of follow, believe, obey. Uh, I don't know if it's, a, it should be up on the wall somewhere. Uh, but it's a core value of our church here. Um, and, uh, you know, we've already gone through the other two parts where we have counted the cost to see if following Jesus is worth what we would leave behind. Uh, we've counted the cost to see if um, we will believe him, even when it doesn't make sense to our minds. Uh, and so today, we're counting the cost and deciding if we will obey no matter what. Okay? So, uh, now, obedience is a tricky topic to get started with, right? Because already, probably, when you hear obedience, there's that little bit of a prickle, 
little bit of, you know, defensiveness coming up. It rubs right up against our American ideal of independence, right? No one's going to tell me what to do. Uh, and so we, have, we sometimes have a hard time with the idea of obedience. After all, right, obedience is for children, right? Children obey your parents. That's what the Bible says. Um, but how many of you ever have described yourself or heard Christians described as children of God, right? I know I have. I grew up hearing that. I grew up declaring that over myself. I am a child of God. And if you're like me, you probably prefer to remember that when he's carrying you through trouble or providing for your needs or comforting you in your pain. But then, you know, you might conveniently forget that you're a child of God when it comes to time to obey him and submit to him, right? You know, you're like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a child of God held in his arms until it's time for me to be an independent person doing my own thing because I want to. Um, and, uh, there, and there's, but there's also a problem with understanding our relationship with God as child and father. Um, because if we start thinking about obeying God like obeying our parents, it can skew our view of how God wants us to obey. What do I mean by that? Well, if you are a child of God, a big question is, why do you obey him? Do you obey him out of fear? Many of us, including myself, were raised uh, by getting spanked or grounded or having privileges taken away when we did something wrong, right? We learn to obey because the alternative was painful. If we aren't careful, we can transfer that same idea to God, right? I obey because I don't want the alternative, right? I'm afraid of the pain I might feel if I don't obey him. When you hear, the, uh, when you hear people talking about how you should forgive others or be generous with your money and your uh, time and your resources, uh, or that you should love your enemies. Do you try to do that so that you don't get uh, sent to hell? Or so, you don't get be, so you're not cursed in this life somehow? The other day, I was at a fundraising event uh, for a Catholic charity that works around this, this area. Great charity, doing great things. Um, but uh, the speaker there was making jokes the whole time, he was a pretty funny guy. Uh, and one joke that he made, though, kind of stood out to me. He said, uh, this is a Catholic charity, so make sure you are generous with your gift so that you don't go to hell, right? And everybody laughs, and they're like, oh, ho, ho, you know, like, of course. Um, but, you know, the problem with that joke, even though he's just kidding, he's being funny, everyone gets that he's not serious, um, is that the attitude under that joke is very common. People really do think that way. I got to do this so that this doesn't happen to me. Okay, well, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not somebody who, who lives or thinks that way. Maybe you obey to get something out of it, right? Uh, another tactic many parents find useful is to reward good behavior. If the child will do X, then we'll stop at McDonald's on the way home, right? Or if they do Y, they can bring a friend over after school. Again, this can influence our view of God and how he wants us to obey, so that we start thinking, well, if I do X, then he'll bless me. When you read the Bible and you see that you shouldn't be prideful or you shouldn't lie and be deceptive or be dishonest, uh, do you obey that so that God will bless you? There, are, there have been times when I myself couldn't afford rent or I couldn't uh, afford to fix my car. So I was believing God that he would step in and he would help me. 
And during those times, I often found myself uh, being on my best behavior, right? Reading my Bible more, praying longer, listening to worship music in that car that was making a horrifying noise, right? Uh, In my head, I was improving my chances of receiving God's help because I was obeying him, right? The truth is, we don't have to be afraid of our Father, right? Now, Fear of the Lord is a totally separate uh, topic that we just don't have time to get into today. But even that, the bottom line is not that we should be afraid of our Father. And he blesses us every chance that he gets, not just when we've been especially good. So that raises the question, if we're not obeying for those reasons, why should we obey him? Well, in the book of John, uh, in the Bible there, chapter 14, uh, verses 15, uh, it says, If you love me, keep my commands. Pretty simple. In other words, if you love me, obey me. In the very next chapter, in uh, John 15, 14 and 15, he says, If you are my friends, you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. uh, And now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So, this seems to indicate that our obedience should be a result of our love for God. Because he desires a friendship with us, not a group of slaves to do his every bidding, right? And that's very different from the other two uh, motivations that we talked about earlier. But let's take a look at an example from the Bible, uh, specifically from the life of a guy named Peter. Uh, He's a disciple of Jesus, uh, and we've been kind of talking about him throughout this series. Um, Now, some context before we read this verse. Uh, This is soon after Jesus was raised from the dead uh, and began spending time with his disciples again before going up to heaven uh, and kind of leaving for the last time, or last time at that time. Um, And uh, during, uh, before this, right before Jesus was about to be crucified and killed, he told his disciples what was about to happen, and Peter gets outraged. He's like, no, like, we will never leave you. We'll never let that happen to you. You will will live, and we will protect you, right? I will never let it happen. I'll die before I let anyone touch you. And he goes, Peter, no, you will betray me three times in the same night before I'm even dead, right? And Peter's shocked at this. No way, no way, I would never. And then he did, right? If you know the story, three times the night that Jesus was captured before being crucified, people accused him of being a disciple of Jesus, and he went so far as to cuss somebody out to make his point that he didn't know who that guy Jesus was, right? So when Jesus finally came back, I'm sure that there was a very big elephant in the room, right? Peter was like, hey, Jesus, like, I know who you are. You know, we have lots of history. We've, been, we've known each other. And Jesus is like, yeah, we do know each other, don't we? Hey, pass the rolls, right? Like he just wasn't really saying anything. And I'm sure Peter was thinking about it the whole time. But here's what it says, right? John 21, 15 through 23 says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Right? And I think Peter was probably like, here it comes. Uh, Yes, Lord, he said, uh, you know that I love you. Jesus said, okay, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus says, okay, take care of my sheep. And I think 
At this point, Peter's like, what is this all about, right? Like, when is he going to start chewing me out? When is he going to lay into me for what I did? It says this, and I think we can all agree that this is probably how we would feel at this point too. Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, oh, sorry, after this, he asked him again, do you love me? And then he says, he was hurt because he asked him a third time. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. That's what Jesus told him. And the, uh, the Bible goes on to clarify that Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me, Right? I feel like it's hard to ignore the fact that three times Peter said, I have no idea who that Jesus guy is. Three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? And when he said he does, he gave him a way to obey, right? We go on and it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who would lean back against Jesus at supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said, well, Lord, what about him? right? Because Jesus had just said, here's how you're going to die. He said, well, how is he going to die? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, that, what is that to you? So what's the point of that? What am I trying to say? I want you to notice how directly Jesus connects Peter's love for him to obedience, right? He's like, do you love me? He's like, absolutely, I love you. Okay, obey, right? Notice that Jesus wasn't beating him up for his past failures or warning him uh, of what will happen if he messes up again. He simply asks Peter to obey. I point that out because, as we said earlier, sometimes we can obey because we're afraid of consequences or we obey because we want a reward, Jesus wasn't trying to motivate him that way. He was saying, you love me? Yeah? Then obey me out of that love. He wasn't asked to obey in order to receive a blessing or to receive forgiveness. Uh, in fact, Peter was, uh, was given a glimpse into his future. Um, and uh, uh, so he was given a glimpse into his future when Jesus told him how he would one day be killed. And that's like the direct opposite of a reward, right? He's like, you love me, follow me, do this, and the end result of that will be you're going to be killed, right? So clearly the motivation here is not to uh, give him a reward after he's been good because obedience isn't our method of getting God to bless us. He wants to do that regardless. Instead, obedience is the evidence of our love for God. See, the God that we worship that we love and we live in relationship with, is one who relates to us, his children, in ways that seem completely backward to us and even to people of other faiths, other religions. He doesn't ask us to obey until we have followed and believed because he wants our obedience to be expressions of our love. And love really only comes through relationship, right? He's not out of the gate saying, okay, if you want to be a part of the club, you got to do X, Y, Z, Right? Obey first, and then you can find out what this is all about later. In fact, I want to point out something that maybe you haven't noticed, because I didn't notice it till I kind of thought through it myself. Um, 
The name of our series is Count the Cost, right? That title doesn't come from me telling you to count the cost, right? Like, hey, be careful. This Jesus guy might not be who you think. Count the cost before you decide to be a Christian. It comes from God telling all of us, count the cost. Not because he's, it's because he doesn't want to deceive us, right? If he was trying to sneak us in, if he was trying to bait and switch, right, show us something good, and then once we're through the door, lock us in and say, now you can't leave and you have to serve me, he wouldn't tell us, be careful and count the cost. He tells us that because he wants our obedience out of love. He wants to say, I want you to know that I am who you love and who you want, so count the cost, right? Because he wants us to love through our obedience, So what does it look like to obey? Well, it could look like all sorts of things. For me, in the situation I mentioned earlier, it looked like packing up where I was living and moving into an even smaller apartment, right? Which I didn't think was possible at the time, but it was. Um, It meant giving up living alone uh, and living with um, people that now there's the possibility of you got to be on uh, to work on time, but somebody's in the bathroom right now, right? That's what obedience looked like to me, but to you, it could mean stopping some behaviors, right? Quit using curse words, quit uh, giving in to road rage, uh, stop participating in gossip. Uh, Now, I do want to stop and say I'm hesitant to give too many examples because I don't want you to write them down and try to do them, right? Uh, Because that's not obedience to God, that's just obedience to me. It could also mean uh, starting to do something. Maybe God says, arrive to work early from now on, right? Or he says, sit by someone new at lunch uh, or pray over your kids before bed. The important thing is that we need to be listening, right? Notice that many of the examples I gave don't have a scripture from the Bible that tells us to do them, uh, but God might still ask you to specifically do that thing. It's all about listening, being in relationship, being close to him so that he can whisper in your ear and say, do this, right? Um, Now, what does it mean to listen? What does that look like? It means reading your Bible sometimes. It means journaling other times. It means sitting in silence, right? For me, I like to, every once in a while, I'll kind of feel like, hey, I've been, life's been too busy. I've not really been hearing anything other than the noise around me. So whenever I drive to work or I drive anywhere else, I'll just not turn on the radio. I'll not listen to anything, no podcasts, no music. I'll even try to stop myself from like talking out loud. I'm a big self-talker. So I'll try to stop that too, right? Just to make sure that there's space to listen. You're not really gonna hear him and be able to obey him if you're jamming every second of the day with noise from somewhere else. See, God wants to work with us. Um, as he said, as we read before, he wants friendship, not slavery, In my experience, he likes to reveal layers of change that needs to be made instead of dumping a laundry list of do's and don'ts on us. Though, I don't want to discourage you if you are ready for radical change, he is very capable of keeping up with your pace, right? So if you're ready to change like everything in your life, please go for it, don't let me stop you. But also realize that God might be saying, I just want you to work on this for right now. We'll get to that later, Just walk with me here, right? That's obedience. Imagine what life with God could look like if we chose to obey out of love instead of out of fear or manipulation. 
I'm sure we have all experienced a time when we were asked to do something we didn't want to do. And even if we were dodging a punishment or receiving a reward, that didn't stop us from being miserable the whole time. On the other hand, can you think of a time that you did something out of love? You didn't avoid a punishment or get anything in return. You just demonstrated your love through action. Can you think of something like that? Is there something coming up, right? Do you remember the joy? Do you remember how nothing could touch your good mood while you worked at what was probably not a very pleasant job? I have an example of this that it's just, it's such a good memory, right? And this isn't me trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just trying to give you an example. But my senior year, what my roommate had a horribly dirty car. Like, it was scary to get in there. You had to move things that you're like, why is this in a car? Just to sit down. You're like, a tripod? You don't even film things. What is this, right? So you're, you're moving to get, to get in there. Well, his girlfriend and I were like, we need to do something about this. This is out of control. So I'm like, do you think you could get his keys? She said, oh, absolutely. So she just walks up to him and says, I need your keys. And he goes, here you go, and keeps working. So we take his car to a uh, car wash nearby. We bring bags, we bring gloves, we bring wipes. We take all of this stuff out. If you're wondering, there were three and a half pairs of shoes. Um, there were multiple dishes, half-eaten energy bars, things that we could not identify without forensic science. Um, and, uh, but we cleaned out this car, wiped it down, put a, uh, an air freshener that we thought he would like, and we just parked it, right? Luckily, she was there when he got into it next. And of course, he does the whole get in, start it, lean back to see where he's going. And then it hits him that he didn't have to climb over anything, move anything. It doesn't smell unidentifiable, right? And so he, it was a good laugh and everything. But that was so fun. And we were doing it because we loved our friend, right? We were doing it out of love. We weren't doing it because we needed to or had to or he was paying us. Our motivation was totally different, and so our experience was as well. Obedience to God is far more than living out the Ten Commandments, all right? And when we obey the rules, that might not even necessarily be obeying him, right? Because he is leading us. He is guiding us. That is obeying out of love, not just doing what we think we're supposed to do or anything like that. It's very different. And if you have an example like that in your mind, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I believe that moments like that give us a glimpse of how God wants us to walk with him. In that context, it makes a whole lot more sense when the Bible tells us to count it all joy when you face various trials, right? Because let me tell you, cleaning out that guy's car, there were some trials. But we were doing it out of love, so we could count it all joy while we did it. And in life, there's going to be trials. There's going to be hard things you have to do, difficult decisions, things that feel like they are never going to work or are only going to make things worse, and they might make things worse. But when we're obeying because we love him, we can count it all joy when we face those sorts of things. So, how can we practice this right now? You probably are already thinking of something, but if not, I want to encourage you. Spend some time thinking. Is there an area in your life where you are struggling to love God with your obedience? 
Maybe there's that little voice whenever you get time in quiet and and silence that's trying to tell you to do this and you really don't want to do it, right? Maybe that's there for you. And if you are able to find that thing, I would encourage you, start today. Find some way to start being obedient and doing it because you love God, all right? I'm not going to check up on you. I'm not going to offer a reward or punish you if you don't do it right? This is your opportunity to truly say, God, how can I love you with my obedience, all right? And then share what you did with a mentor or a pastor or a leader um, so that they can join with you and they can help you and encourage you to keep doing that. Now, we're going to have our worship team come up for one more song, but uh, while they're coming up, I do want to say I never want to end a message without a direct invitation to anyone who does not already know, personally know, the God we've been talking about this whole time. He stands with his arms wide open, nothing hidden, asking if you are ready to start following today. And if that's you, if you are ready to follow, you can pray with me or with one of our prayer teams or a believer that you trust sitting nearby, whomever, right? You can even pray alone. We would love it if you would include us because we want to celebrate with you. But honestly, you don't have to sign a certificate for it to be real. Now, if that's you, please take any of those opportunities to pray uh, as we worship with this last song. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll let the band take it away. So if you'd bow your heads with me.